Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And the rock and roll is back, baby. Fozzie Save the World starts September 2nd in Columbus. But we've got a few festival appearances happening before then. You get all your tickets and information at FozzieRock.com. Come out and rock with Fozzie uh, July 14th in Iowa City at Wildwood. Then July 15th at Kadot, Wisconsin at Rockfest. We're playing that day with Rob Zombie, Anthrax, and Steel Panther. Then 7-17, July 17th in Jacksonville at the Mothership in uh, Daly's Place Taco Festival and then we got uh, August 7th in Sheboygan at Brat Days also with Anthrax and I believe Rob Zombie as well and then our own headlining tour starts uh, September 2nd Columbus the 3rd is Joliet Illinois the 4th is Belvedere Illinois the the 6th Kansasville Wisconsin the 9th Harrisburg Pennsylvania uh, and then uh, September 10th at the Blue Ridge Rock Fest in Opatomax, Virginia. Lots more gigs uh, continuing along from there and all the way until October 9th in Orlando. We'll be joined uh, uh, by Through Fire, Royal Bliss, and Black Satellite and Zero Theorem on select dates. It's going to be a great time back on the road. And, of course, the Fozzie VIP experience is back as well. It's the best VIP your money can buy. We do uh, a mini concert for you guys playing songs you're not going to hear later that night. Give you a meet and greet, sign whatever you want. Tickets available for that at FozzieRock.com. As well, and don't forget to check out the new video for Sane. We are at a million views. Oh yeah, a million views, man, on my YouTube channel in a short period of time. So check that out. We filmed it on a roller coaster in uh, Holiday World, which is uh, in Santa Claus, Indiana. We rode that roller coaster six times. <laughs> no CGI effects or, or stunt doubles. Uh, involved in that. It was a crazy day of filming. So check that out. Uh, people are talking about it. The Saints going to win some awards. Speaking of winning awards, we got the Winnipeggers on my YouTube channel as well. New episodes every Thursday on Facebook and YouTube. All about mistaken identities this week. Uh, so come have a drink and laugh for the Winnipeggers. Always having a great time and always fun. Speaking of great times, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson from the Dark Order make their talk as Jericho debut today. They're talking about bringing the gimmick to AEW. Why it almost failed in the early days of Dynamite. Dynamite and how the exalted one, Brody Lee, made it one of the most over factions in the company. You hear what they knew and went about the exalted one's arrival and what it was like to watch it on TV from their homes in Canada after they were stuck there during the lockdown in the early days of the pandemic. They talk about Brody and all he did for them in the Dark Order. Stu and Uno also explain how they started tagging together back in Montreal, what Sami Zayn had to do with their Super Smash Brothers gimmick, how they met and befriended the Young Bucks at Ring of Honor, and when they knew that AEW was the real deal. So it starts right here, right now. Evil Uno and Stu Grayson on Talk is Jericho. All right, so we're here uh, in uh, in Jacksonville. We always have a couple days off in between pay-per-view and TV, so it's a good time to catch up with some of the brothers. And uh, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson are here. And we had a hell of a day yesterday when we actually played uh, street hockey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dr. Luther and uh, Jamie, one of their camera guys, organized this tournament. And like, I woke up this morning, I could hardly get out of bed. My calves are rock hard right now. I've never had that hard of a yeah, calf workout. My ankles are just about to give up on me. <laughs> <laughs> Stu is in net with the, with the pads on. Yep. When's the last time you played goalie? Uh, I must have been in high school. So it must have been like like 17 or 18 years ago that I... Yeah, goalie, yeah, it's been a long time. It had been at least a decade for me since last time I played hockey. I, I think the same. Yeah. Like I remember playing with my son when he was little, but you're just in the driveway. But playing a full-on game... I forgot how hard it is because it's not like skating where you can stop on yes. a dime. Like yes. 
we have to run past guys and slowly slow down. Yeah. And it was just like, oh my gosh, yeah. it was just terrible. It made just, me realize that I, I love hockey, but the part I really like was the skating because I <laughs> yeah. sucked yesterday. Yeah, just Man. running on asphalt, like you don't realize how much impact there right. is on your knees. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, it's a, uh, you're, you're reminded very quickly, but yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but it was fun though. And it was good camaraderie, yeah. which is, is, is cool. Uh, especially like, you know, like I worked at WB for years. We never had a street hockey tournament mm -hmm. he would do some things but there's kind of a real cool family's a little bit too much but there really is a, a great kind of gang vibe yeah in AW. Like there's a, an actual like, a, like effort by everyone to yeah. try and like befriend each other especially like from the production team and the camera crew uh, from what i was told where they worked previously or or in other sports organizations in general they don't really get to talk to talent that's mm -hmm. on the show you know here it's great we uh, family is maybe too strong of a word but like It's great that I know every single person's name and like I'm I've befriended every single right. person. Yeah, there's a surprising it's amount of people who go out of their way to know each other, talk to each other, mm. learn about each other, and that's really cool. And they mm. re they really went all out with this hockey game. Yeah, commentary. commentary we had a drone. <laughs> they had a drone <laughs> filming. <laughs> refreshments and the the sound speaker, like music playing. Yeah. But it was it was a great time. But but that's really cool because once again talking about AEW, it's funny because there were so many guys that I didn't know a lot about from wrestling in WWE for so many years I didn't really know what was going on in Ring of Honor or whatever it may be and 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 Uno and, and Grayson are two of the guys that I didn't really know about and here we are a year and a half later and we know each other from AEW but I still don't really know your past mm -hmm. you know as 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 the Super Smash Brothers and all that other stuff so it's cool to to get a chance to learn about this and I guess my first question would be did you come up with the original idea of the Dark Order Because you couldn't be Super Smash Brothers? Did somebody own the copyright uh, or something? Or? Yeah, so Super Smash Brothers is actually like a copywritten name. It's the name of a video game owned by Nintendo. Oh, so like, okay. we were always, we were always kind of towing the line, uh, assuming that one day, as the Smash Brothers, Nintendo would come knocking at the door and tell, <laughs> tell us to change it. Yeah. Which is why also in the last few years before becoming Dark Order, we changed to just SSB. Oh, to yeah. try to, you know, yeah. avoid we real, uh, problems. <laughs> we thought we were real smart at the time. Yeah, real clever here. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, Dark Order was uh, essentially when we came to AEW or when we signed our contracts, uh, we knew we couldn't be called the Smash Brothers. And so uh, we had a discussion with Tony about what names we should be called. And from the long list of things, the one we all universally liked the most was Dark Order. It was very simple and straight to the point at the time. Uh, and then just the character stuff was we were kind of doing the the cult uh, minion stuff on the independence. So I, I had been running a school and all my students would wear masks and walk me to the ring and I would sit on them and I would use them as weapons and they would take 90% of the bumps for me. So like when we came here, we had told them that that's what we were actively doing now. And we kind of tweaked it for television by making it more Scientology based and making it more about recruitment and so on. What was some of the other ideas that you had for names besides Dark Order? Do you remember? Uh, man, I had a list on my phone, but I deleted it recently. <laughs> we Stu, had, Stu had some really wild uh, suggestions. Yeah, well, uh, the, 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 when we came up with the name, it was just one night. He just texted me. He's like, hey, we need to have a list of names to send them like tomorrow. tonight or <laughs> tomorrow. And I just, all right. I was watching like TV and during commercial, I was just like, All right, Dark Order, Black Order, New Order, Disorder. Yeah. I was just coming up with just yeah. Nightfall. Uh, just about anything I could come up with. And then I, we, we send the, the list. And Dark Order was our both our favorite. Mm. So when we sent them uh, the list and they, they went with it, I was like, oh, great. Because that was 
pretty much our there, there was one. definitely there a bunch were, of dumb ones there had to be because we had sent probably 50 names I guarantee 15 of them I would have been unhappy had they been chosen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like we throw a bunch of yeah. stuff and we're like, I really it, hope they go for this one. It's, <laughs> it's funny because uh, Chaos Project is called Chaos Project, and I'm sure that was one of the ones we suggested. Really, yeah. fairly certain. There was a few pro- like we were always using Order or Project at the end. Like I thought, like one was like Nazareth Project. I was just trying to find like devil names and adding them to Project and stuff. And Chaos was just a very simple one. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny too because uh, when you think about how the Dark Order has has progressed and from the start because we talked to us a little bit when, when, when we talked about Brody's passing but and I want to talk more about the Super Smash Brothers but now that we're in the Dark Order time when it first started it was just you two guys Correct. and then basically whoever was around to be kind of the minions yeah. right so you, yeah. we would call them just locals mm-hmm. And that kind of led to some 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 problems in the early oh, yeah. Yeah, times, they, right? Yeah, because the, whatever they did was attached directly to us, and it's uh, Dean is the the person who had kind of opened my eyes. Uh, Dean Malenko. Yeah, about like two or three TVs, and he's like, he's like, you really need to take care and make a hundred percent certain of everything these yeah. people do because whatever they do, it doesn't matter if they reflects bad on them. They're not coming back. You're the one sticking around, mm-hmm. and. And the honestly, the first few months, those those mistakes really uh, really put a damage. It really hurt us. Yeah, yeah. it really hurt us. Uh, mm. I mean, at least uh, as far as like image and stuff. Yeah. And what it, were some of the? Oh, sorry, Stu. No, no. Well, I, I was going to pretty much go the way you were about to. Yeah. Some of the problems were like, even though we would talk to them over and over again, so like how to make the human throne, uh, what to do. Like we would ask them, "Hey, are you trained? Yes. How long have you been wrestling?" This amount of time. Can you throw a punch and a kick? Yes. No? Then choke. Do and then I suppose most of them were not being fully honest because once they were in the ring, it could be stress, it could be just about anything really. You're on live TV, but then what they said to us, what they could do, was not the reality. <laughs> and then when we would see them punch the floor, uh walk around and trip, and I was oh, like, yeah. Jesus Christ, I, I should have asked. Can you walk properly? Yeah. Can you, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. But some of them were too nervous to say, oh, I'm really green. Right. Because they wouldn't want to be cut it's out. a chance to be on TV. Right. Exactly. And I understand that, but you've got to be honest because if one of them would have said, oh, I'm really nervous, I'm really green, hey, don't worry, we'll get you in the back. You don't have to do much. We just need people. We need numbers. Yeah, you need bodies. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll make it work. But some of them were not completely honest. Yeah. <laughs> You can see that too. Like even we're just talking. We had the the exploding cage, exploding bomb death match on the on the weekend, and it was an amazing match. Which of course, had the, yep. the the bombs were kind of underwhelming. Not the guys in the ring's of fault. Course. No, at right? all. And I remember you mentioned the, the 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 punching, the famous punching thing that was kind of like almost the the death knell of the dark world. Oh, yeah, time. we thought yeah. we thought we were done after that to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. cuz there was a guy that came in the ring and was well, you guys had a massive beatdown. He was punching Dustin Rose, but he was punching like, the mat beside oh, his head. He was punching a mile head. away yeah. from right. Dustin. It was insane. Yeah. And I was like it's not Stu and Uno's fault. Mm-hmm. And the, the guy was in obviously over his head, but why would he ever say no? He wants to be on TV of and that's why we cuz I remember saying to somebody, we got to get some guys that their job is they work here for us. And they're Dark Order guys. Yes. We can trust them. It's like when, when the Godfather had his hose, and then they started taking bumps, and that's when they had Victoria as like she was there every week, no matter what. So at least you knew you had one 
oh, you can who guarantee at least one trust. Yeah, who knows what to do. You know, and then that's kind of something that you guys needed. Because so, tell, how, tell us about that night. How that how, how did that make you guys feel in the aftermath of that? I mean, even on the lead up, we were a little nervous because originally that wasn't what was planned. We didn't know we were going to end the end of Dynamite, the last Dynamite of the year, on right. this big beatdown on all the faces, and. Uh, so when we came in that day, they told us that was the plan. And we were really nervous because at that point, we weren't really a hot act. Uh, we we were felt st- like it was not a good spot yeah. for us to do. We were really growing at, the, at that point, And we thought, okay, well, like if, we, if we're given a couple more weeks to kind of build this up, this could work. We never considered ourselves a, a, a main event angle at, at that the point time, in time. You know? right, like, yeah. we, we tried recruiting Marco and we had tried recruiting Christopher Daniels we had no interactions with the top and we had no real surprise at that point we our original plan and this was on our pitch I was like let us have uh, the losers on your shows the people that you're already showing are losing so that's why we were getting Alex and John because they had lost a minute on the first two shows of uh, Dynamite I said if you give them to us then we can guarantee people that know what they're doing yes and then on top of that they can have matches that are longer than minutes show who they are uh, and it will it would help us uh, but we had no great reveal other than that. We were only slowly building. So we weren't very happy with the segment happening to begin with. And then on top of that, when it was all said and done, we knew the reaction was kind of flat. And then we knew as soon as we came to the back, your phone's blowing up. Mm. It pick, they, they picked up on all the side stuff instantly. Yeah. Um, most of the, the local guys just didn't seem to understand that camera is on at all times exactly you don't know what they're going to cut in over their head for sure exactly and another part of that segment that was bad is that everything we had told them to do they didn't yeah they mistimed a lot of our timing just about everything so any of our interactions with people running in were were cut short or Mm, because the the main idea was that Uno and I were I think we were standing outside the ring I was standing you were in the ring yeah And so the way it was going is that every single time a baby face would come in, he would bump the creepers, you know, the mask guy, as if they were nothing because that's what they were, pretty much nothing. Yeah. And then I would come in and get the star down. Bam. Then they would pile on him. Right. Then the next one comes in. I see him bump people around and bam, I put him down. And then every single time, one like Kenny would come out, Cody, I never even reached them. They would just swarm them. By man. the time yeah. I was in there... They, they were sworn by, like, by 10 creepers. These guys were just beating the living piss out of Kenny and Cody. And I was like, get the f*** out of here. Like, what are you doing? Why are you hurting the stars? Like, that was my job. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could yeah. not believe it. So when we came back, I was like, oh. We thought we were done, too, because we were supposed to have a follow-up to that, which was on the first show of January. And they had cut us entirely from it. Mm. And then they cut us from the next couple weeks, too. So, like. That's always the worst feeling, yeah, too. Yeah, at that point, you're like, well... And that, we've had a lot of uncertainty throughout the year of AEW, and that was one of those moments where I was like, well, this, we're done. I don't think we can come back. But uh, to, to, uh, Tony's, uh, to Tony's credit, uh, he, he thought of the Exalted One hook right away. and Someone that was kind of the higher yeah. exactly. for you and guys. So we had exactly. something to at least gear towards, and honestly, that, that really uh, that helped us tremendously. Because we finally had a direction. Before that, no, right, it was right. just, hey, you guys need to grow towards what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are we supposed to do? Okay, we're the bad guys, but then what? Yeah. And in the end, like, even us, like, we wouldn't even, we didn't think of ourselves as the bad guys because we're the cult. Like, we're the good guys here. Yeah. And, but we, we had so much to play with, but had no direction. So when the Exalted One came in, we were like, oh, finally, we have a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and that and that you're right because and the one thing I really like about our show is that everybody gets a chance here. Mm-hmm. Like we don't just have guys and, and just put them on for no reason. It's very structured as to no matter who you are, you're getting TV time and getting some semblance of a story. And it's cool that Tony kept forging to head with this because look what it did grow into. Yeah. To, to this day, one of our o- most over acts on the show is the whole Dark Order act and all the different stories and, and stuff like that included mm-hmm. in it. On December 23rd or whatever it was in 2019, you probably weren't thinking that. No, <laughs> no definitely not. Uh, it, it, at the end of 2020, which unfortunately was the... the Mr. Brody Memorial Show, but like we had a, we had a moment amongst our group where it was like a year ago we thought we were all done, yeah, and now a year later we feel like we're an integral part of yeah, the show, an overact for sure, of course. Yeah. Let's talk more about the Exalted One and what you first started hearing about them and who you thought it might be. But before we do, Magic Spoon has restocked the blueberry flavor, and that means my breakfast is now back on track. I eat cereal for breakfast, and you can and should too, thanks to Magic Spoon, and not because it's delicious. Eat it because it's good for you. Magic Spoon is zero grams of sugar, 13 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in every serving. It's just 140 calories per serving as well. And check this out. Keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free, and you can build your own custom box. Magic Spoon is great flavors. You guys know that blueberry is my favorite, and my kids love to mix the cocoa and peanut butter because it tastes like a peanut butter cup. But you can choose the flavors you like best in your your custom bundle. There's cocoa, peanut butter, blueberry, like I mentioned, frosty, fruited cinnamon. This is the super nutritious, good-for-you cereal that tastes just like the stuff you remember from your childhood. Just go to magicspoon.com slash Jericho to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use my promo code Jericho at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so certain that you'll love their cereal that they'll back it with a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't like it, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. So get your next delicious guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Jericho and use my promo code Jericho to get five bucks off your order. When you guys started hearing about the Exalted One, did you have any idea who it might be? Did you have any input into it at Uh, all? So we had input uh, as far as uh, uh, who of the names that were suggested. Uh, Brody and uh, Matt Hardy were always... At the forefront, yeah. Dr. Luther was at one point as well. Mm-hmm. He came in for interviews. Uh, and then so it kind of kept switching around between Hardy and Brody because it, you, you, they couldn't guarantee anything because contracts need to expire. And, and at that point, like there's no official there's there's no guarantee anyone's leaving mm-hmm. and coming here. And so we were hoping it was going to be Brody. And then we at one point, we were also thinking Matt would have been a great idea because at the time he was doing Broken Man. We thought that might be a good direction since we were kind of a goofy cult at the time too mm-hmm. so it could have worked well but Brody was was by far the best choice because we had been friends already for over a decade and we knew that as soon as he would show up that he would really take care of us well it took it in a, in a more serious yes. direction yes. too more which of, I think we needed we needed yes. that edge and you needed a big star to be the exalted yes. one you know yeah. if, it, if it was like Luther or something it would be fine but if you needed somebody to go holy shit it's Matt Hardy it's mm-hmm. it's Brody Lee yeah. Because I, I remember when when the decision was made for Brody, I actually came up with that famous double swerve in Rochester yeah. that was supposed to happen, where everyone thought it was Matt, but then it would be Brody coming out in his home, home, own hometown, and then Matt showed up at the end of the show to mess with the inner circle, mm-hmm. which would have been great, except for the stupid pandemic happened yeah. and the whole show got canceled. It was uh, literally a week before. I know. Yeah. Uh, like the four or five shows following 
the very first time Brody Lee appeared were all gonna be so freaking awesome. Like they were all near like first they were Blood and Guts was the week right after. That's right. Yeah. Like, yeah. They were there were all shows where we knew for sure like it was big arenas, they were sellout. Yes. Uh, it would be huge for us. It was a, the next month would have been insane for Dark Order. Yeah. And then instead we got stuck home for three months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. Well let's <laughs> let's let, twofold on that. So before we talk about you guys getting yep. stuck at home, when you first came into AEW, this was the first I know you had worked at Ring of Honor mm-hmm. and some other, but this was the first kind of real national yeah, this television, is, yep. big arena show. How was that for you guys, knowing that you're gonna like, you're in the big time now? All I could think is finally, <laughs> Jesus Christ, we have a work visa, we can come back in the United States, and after 15 years of doing what we do, and at that point there was no doubt in my mind, we are one of the best tag team in the whole world. No one knows it. Mm. I, no one knows we're still wrestling, and we are amongst the best in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. that Canada, was ugh. the independency in Canada has never really looked at. Un, unlike, You're right. Yeah, and like, it has amazing talent. You're right. Yeah, and so we thought, like, we were still we were still wrestling three four times a week, but no one knew. So mm-hmm. no, everyone thought we were retired. So even like the bit of buzz we had in like 2010 to 2013 just evaporated because we're not doing the major independence at the time, and so we. Honestly, we thought we were done. We thought there was no chance at a future because there was no real eyes on Canada and we couldn't go into America uh, at any point. We we did some U- European stuff and that was kind of growing as well. Uh, but like, I honestly never felt like it was real until the uh, double or nothing. Like, I had signed the contract. They kept telling me, oh, Chris Jericho's involved. JR's involved. Tony's a billionaire. But like, all that stuff never seemed real until we showed up at Double or Nothing. You saw it. I saw it. Yeah. And actually, the first time was when you had uh, you had given this speech about like really taking it in, like because this was gonna be a historic moment for everyone. Like oh, we would yeah. that we would look back on this and stuff. And I was like, I'm I'm listening to Chris Jericho giving me a speech. <laughs> I'm in the middle of Vegas. It's a sold out show, and like people will watch this show again. Like I've I've rewatched that show mm-hmm. because it was so so that. It, it, was a, it was a very happy moment for me, for sure. Yeah. It was funny because when you guys came out, I was on you guys about your costumes, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, instant. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember thinking, like, a lot of these guys, this is the first time, you know, and, and it, people watch with their eyes and they yeah. see things. And the first time they're seeing our show, I remember Marco, too. I was like, it's okay that he's small, but he needs to look more, just more professional. Yeah. You know what I mean? The shorts and the the, the, the get rid of that yeah. shit. You know what I mean? Our gear was definitely uh, was not good enough for TV at the time. Yeah, right. And I, I wanted to, sh- to pass it on. As you guys are probably, thinking, I hope you're thinking like oh, this is good. no. It was great. Yeah. We, it was we great. love criticisms like that. Like we need to learn and to grow. And that's probably one of the most beautiful thing about wrestling is that you never start, never stop learning and getting better. Mm-hmm. So when you came to us and said, "Hey, you guys need to 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 evolve into something better," the first thing we think is we thought is yeah. all right. Let's let's evolve into. Yeah, something I literally better. I ordered a, a a jacket top the day after you. We and that had was spoken. pretty cool because sometimes guys will say that and then they won't. Yeah, but I think it was like a week or two later you you showed up. You yeah, even I, told me I got it done yeah. and you showed up and that, that was that's cool to see because like I said this is now showbiz. You know, yeah. yeah, it's not just how many moves you can do and you guys know how you guys can have great matches, but you also have to look at the level of what we're doing. Yeah, it's you beyond have, you have to look the part. It's yeah, an aesthetic yeah. uh, business and also it uh, it like character there's a lot more than just what we can do in the ring yeah for sure Mm -hmm. let's talk about i want to talk about the lockdown later on but let's talk about the super smash brothers and what exactly the uh concept was Mm -hmm. for it and kind of the early days how you guys put this together so uh i started wrestling back in uh, 2004 
Uh, I trained from 2002 to 2015 or something. Uh, I was 15 when I started. (laughs) Uh, so I, I trained from uh, when I was 13 till 15, which I don't even know if it was legal, to be honest, but <laughs> here I am. Is that Ottawa area or is it Montreal? Uh, yeah, so we're, we're based out of a city just outside of Ottawa called Gatineau. It's on the French side of the river, so like gotcha. on the Quebec side. And uh, so uh, we went to a school there called Canadian Pro Wrestling, very original name. Um, <laughs> and at the time, I didn't know that there was other wrestling in the world. I thought it was this one school in WWE. And I thought, wow, I can't believe this one school exists. And uh, I started wrestling, but I was a teenager, and I couldn't hide the fact that I was a teenager, so I thought being under a mask would hide that. Oh, And so uh, at the time, because I was a teenager, I I had this uh, talk with with, uh, Sami Zayn, who was El Generico at the time. Uh, I never knew that. I never heard that before. No, no I mean, not. I mean, <laughs> it, it is not crazy. He's drunk, guys. <laughs> but uh, he still got he got hit in the head with a rubber ball at street hockey it yesterday. It is true. I did. My brain is damaged. Um, but uh, we had I had to talk with him, and uh, he was saying essentially that he he wanted to be a generic character from a video game, uh, but in the end he became El Generico or not or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so. He, we were talking back and forth, and he was saying you could be like player one. You know, you could be the mask guy that's in those. I can just at, hear him telling you games. Tell you, I can just hear him literally hear him speaking. You could oh, be yes. like player one. Yeah, exactly. Be perfect. And they will chant player one like in the video game. And so, uh, and so, at the time, the only things I knew because I was a teenager were video games, comic books, and and wrestling. So to me, I was like, oh, being in video games, that's something I can relate to and I can understand. So right off the bat, I became player Uno. I changed the last part. Uh, I learned Spanish at the time. I never did you used, really? I never used it, but yes, I did four years of Spanish. It's similar to French. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. plays off the yeah. same rules. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, it wasn't hard to to learn, but then uh, eventually, so I, I, I became a video game character. That was my character. And eventually, Stu uh, came to the same school about two and a half years later. It was what like, I think it was two class after you, right? Yeah, yeah. So about two, two class, uh, yeah. about two years, and uh, we hit it off right away. Uh, we became friends instantly, and we started tagging together, and we didn't really have a great name, and so we just played off what I was, which was a video game character, and we took one of the video game names that was popular at the time and just became the Smash Brothers, and it very surprised how long we were that, to be honest. Mm, like We did yeah. a whole decade as being video game characters, and then... So you were actual video game care. That's the gimmick. Was you like yeah? Video we were like game? video game players, but like I was, I was kind of on the line because uh, Shikara was a promotion we eventually worked with, and that was a little more go- goofy and comedic. Mm. And so they made it more video game character rather than a video game player. So they made me get paused. They made me like you I had, had, control I had controllers on, on my pants. So if you press the button, I would kick you. If you press the other button, I would punch you. If you press pause, it would be I, I would be rings. frozen. I wouldn't sell things. Yeah. At one point, I had uh, the actual uh, Nintendo console on yeah. my gear, so I would be able to put in like games and whatever games I would put in. It would I would change your style. Like, I would my wrestling style would change. So Karate Kid, Ninja Turtles, whatever. Yeah. I would adapt to the video. You game. would have the cartridge and I would put have it the cartridge you. and it would put yeah. it in my pants. How can you bump with a Nintendo it was like, game? Uh, it was like a. Half Nintendo, as if the Nintendo was sunk into my leg ah, in the gear. Yeah. So it was just enough that it's like I a pocket. Op- yeah, yeah, I could open up the little uh, the little door and put in yeah. the the game. And so if if you got a karate kid, then you do a bunch of karate. I was doing moves. karate yeah. and whatever. Yeah. yeah. That must have got over huge for it both was. of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, it was mostly when the game wouldn't work and it would lag, and people would have to like Uno would have to blow into the the cartridge. Into the game. <laughs> yeah. Get the dust out. And then yeah. I would finally actually work. And so like we we did that for a decade, but honestly, like all. 
comedy bits like it runs its course mm-hmm. and we realize like if we want to grow as a team we can't be the video game guys because there's only we were always the underdogs we would never would win we would win championships and then instantly lose and we realized that like there was a glass ceiling for us and if we wanted to go beyond we had to yeah. be beyond. we had been babyface for like 10 years almost yeah. at that mm-hmm. point so so we switched out from being the smash brothers and became ssb from there yeah the different kind of a gimmick and yeah. different, different try, attitude. Try, start doing what the evil Uno stuff was now, which is just yeah. like having the minions. and. Uh, well, another thing that made us want to go more heel was that once we were in the ring, we usually had much more uh, in-ring experience than most mm-hmm. guys. And there's nothing worse as a baby face than being in the ring. And the heel comes to you and he says, what do I do next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, just yeah. kick my ass, so, dude. Yeah. Like what? I don't just do your yeah. things, man. Yeah, so we wanted to lead as well, which we was wanted to lead part the match. Mm-hmm. And as doing it as heel or simply as the aggressor was much easier. So when he started to do more like he, he switched from uh, player Uno to evil Uno, it was simple. Then he would be using his knowledge and his experience to cheat and outsmart the guy. I had finally gained the muscle mass to leave the little underdog baby face to be more of a fighter and I could finally embrace my background in the fighting because I looked the part and then I became like much more violent and aggressive mm. in the ring and thank God we did that mm. because we we needed that for just for ourselves mm. to enjoy wrestling again. Mm-hmm. Did you, do you have a fighting background? Yeah, I'm actually uh, I started fighting uh, I was about six or seven years old. I'm a black belt in karate. I'm a black belt in taekwondo. Wow. I'm a black belt in kickboxing. So yeah, I've been fighting for about 26 years so do you still keep up with the, that sort of training? Uh, I do on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, every now and then, uh, I get to train with some dudes that will like. They also have a background in it. We'll do stuff in the ring like that. Alistair Black, when we work with him in um, in Germany, it was fun to do some exchange that was uh, martial art related because we could both do it. Mm-hmm. He was also, I think, he's a, also a black belt, multiple black belt in kickboxing or something. Mm-hmm. So it was fun in the ring with him, but in. I don't do classes anymore. I no longer have a sensei or anything like gotcha. that. But it's something I would love to get back into. I just don't have time. Most of my training that I do now is kickboxing training. Yeah, which is great for cardio. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. It's great for striking cardio. And as, as you get older, too, like the weights don't do as much. They, it hurts. Yeah. You know, it, just it, it hurts your joints. And that actually, no kickboxing yeah. is cardio. Uh, it's going to help for muscle growth, flexibility. It, it's just a, it's a great sport to do. Mm. When you guys... Um, you said you said you worked a lot in Europe. Yes. What, what, what countries were you working in there? Uh, together, we worked in Germany for a, a tour, uh, and then uh, we did several tours in the UK mostly. Uh, so and Wales, which no, I think that's that's a part of the UK. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it was like Attack Pro Wrestling. We did some progress over there. We did title. Were you doing wrestling. tours there? Or would you stay there for a couple months? I'd stay or? there for like uh, two, three weeks, and then we'd come back. Gotcha. Yeah, and just just get. There's enough wrestling there to wrestle almost every single day and make a good amount of money, and then you come back home. We just Not, couldn't stay there that long because we had real life, back yeah, home, real jobs. So. We were still hand, I, we were still managing jobs uh, on both ends. Stu was uh, had a construction company, and I used to uh, work uh, for an immigrant, uh, the government uh, in immigration. So, oh wow! Yeah, does that did that help you? No, <laughs> not at all. In fact, uh, the complete opposite. Yeah, <laughs> puts you on the radar too much, right? Exactly. Yeah. 
right, let's go back to your Ring of Honor days, which is what led you to AEW. We'll talk more about that. But first, I want to tell you guys about True Bill. If anyone out there needs help keeping track of your bill payments and budgets, Lord knows I do, then you need to check out TrueBill.com slash Jericho. True Bill is a super easy-to-use app that helps you manage your finances. You can create monthly budgets and track your expenses. There's an automated savings option that lets you choose how much to put away each week. You can set up push notifications that let you know when you're close to going over your budget or when your cash is running low. The app will help you easily identify fraudulent activity as well. True Blue offers multiple ways to save on your bills and lets you work with many of the nation's top providers to negotiate and lower your bills as well. It has bank level security so you know it's safe. No hackers are going to get in. And True Bill has saved its users more than $50 million. You can manage your subscriptions directly through the app and cancel ones that you're no longer using. And if you're like me, then you probably signed up for just about every streaming service during the pandemic. You probably don't want them at all now. I know I don't want them all. True Bill can help you manage that. The average person saves $720 per year with True Bill. So get started today at TrueBill.com slash Jericho. Take control of your finances and start saving at TrueBill.com slash Jericho. That's TrueBill.com slash Jericho. So talk a little bit more about, about kind of uh, right before you came into AEW. Was it Ring of Honor that led you to here? Uh, yeah, essentially. We had, we had wrestled uh, the Young Bucks numerous times in PWG back in the early 2010s. Yeah. PWG is what really launched us into the public eye. That's, yeah. what, that's where people have usually uh, see us for the first time. It's PWG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk and about PWG because it's, it's such an uh, interesting, unique world of its own. Yes. Oh, yeah. Wrestling in front of awesome. 400 people. Yeah, yeah it's very like small. a jam-packed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are like shoulder to shoulder. And just the energy just transfers from one person to the other. Uh, uh, so much there because there's no space. So if one person is is yelling and is into something, you kind of get the same sense as that person. And it just kind of... It, it was honestly one of my favorite places to wrestle yeah. in because it was just diehard fans having a great time. Uh with the best wrestlers from around the world, because almost every single person was a fly-in, so you were always learning from any match and you the had. the top, top guys that top were available. Yes, from right? everywhere. Yeah. So, like, top from Europe, top from Japan, top from the States, top from Canada, mm. and they'd all be wrestling. And so it, it would get you out of your comfort zone. You'd be wrestling people you don't typically wrestle, but they are very good, so you're learning as well. Yep. And so we had, been, uh, we had wrestled the Young Bucks there for uh, about two years, like an extended feud, and we loved working with each other. And then eventually... Uh, we couldn't go to America anymore uh, because we couldn't get a visa. I heard about that. Yes, was, that was you guys. A couple yeah, of cats. yeah. Like, you, yeah. You, they, they they stopped you at the border. Or yeah, what? so they stopped we, us yeah, at the, the border. I think the whole visa issue with Canadian the worker pretty much started because of us. After that, a lot, a lot of people of the got caught, flagged, and yeah. we were I think we were leading the way of the problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you guys are now working quite steadily in the states, going over the border. We had how, been. Yeah. Yes. Had they fi- How did they finally figure well, it out? Well, we had been flying to uh, California literally every four weeks, and so at that point, one of them uh, had seen our passports and he's like, "Hmm," and then they questioned us. And what what happens is that uh, no matter what happens in independent wrestling, if you made no money. And you, you're an international person coming into the States, for example, to work. If you're working for someone, that person makes money off you. It's still considered work. And so you need to have a visa to work. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have visas because the visa process is incredibly difficult to do. You need a legitimate company. And there's not that many in wrestling who need to sponsor you. And they have to be willing to 
disclose their taxes for five years. Um, and so wow, like almost every independent company says no to that. And then the process on top of that is you have to prove you're among, there has to be a reason why they're willing to give you the visa over an American. Yeah, you have yeah. to prove that you are more valuable yeah, exactly. than an American and would be. They also, the government didn't really understand why, well, if, uh, you know, Stugaritson and Evil Lenore are popular, just give two American these names. They didn't yeah. get that. Uh, it's yeah. like, and we, so we had kind of had to explain to them that if you make a movie and you need Brad Pitt, but he's expensive. You cannot just take another pretty boy and call him Brad Pitt. It's not him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like they, they did not understand why. Well, just choose another player. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just not how yeah. it works. So we had worked the, the Bucks a whole lot then. And then because we had been stuck mostly in Canada, we were always keeping up with them. They're, they're great pals of us. And anytime Ring of Honor would come to, uh, to Canada, we would get on the shows because we had a... a previously worked with ring of honor well, well just to stop though so so did they that one point they actually found it and then they said you guys can't come anymore yeah so essentially it, it wasn't uh, we didn't get a full ban mm. uh some people get like five to seven year right. bans and it goes on your your record we got what's called a flag which means next time around you will be reinvestigated to see if you're going because of this it's a warning right it's a warning but the issue is because i worked in immigration I had secret clearance, and I would lose my job if I were banned. Gotcha, gotcha. And so at the time, I couldn't, I couldn't risk losing my hundred grand a year sure. job to do to this. And at the time, it wasn't go make a hundred bucks exactly. Poughkeepsie on a Saturday afternoon. And, and we also never thought we were really gonna get it because at the time, if you weren't a big guy, you weren't really getting signed. And until mm -hmm. Kevin Owens got signed. That's the point where we realized, oh, maybe we can do this because mm -hmm. he what he didn't look like everyone else, and neither mm -hmm. did we. You know, it's interesting because I'm you know I'm from Winnipeg as well, and mm -hmm. I, I was lucky because I'm a dual citizen because I was born in the states. Right. But I still had those problems crossing the border, especially if I was flying. Like my first couple tours to Japan, I had no work visa. Uh, first couple times going to Mexico, no work visa, mm -hmm. and you know even crossing the border to go to California back in the day, like we would always have a backup excuse. Like, yes. what if they find your tights? Well, we're just going there to to do an exhibition or for a tryout or, or something, training, yes. something like that. So, like, but I went through the same thing. I just never actually got busted. Which, That's it. You know, it took us seven years. Like, we were doing it consistently yeah. for seven yeah. years. And, and then, when we were not flying, we were driving through the borders every single week. Yeah. So... Our that passport can be hard was too. very active. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> All the stamps are full. Nonstop. Like I, I remember the first few times I went to Mexico, and you guys might have been there, but they, in Mexico City, they have a, like a traffic light, and you press a button, and if the light is green, then you get to go through. One out of a hundred, it hits red, and that's when you get the full-on search, and I was always just terrified. Please don't let it be red, but it's green. Thank God. This time I made it, and the next time you'd feel that dread a couple days before. What happens if I get that red? <laughs> oh, yeah. I never got the red, but like that, it was. It's it puts a lot of stress on Big us time. as performers. Oh, yeah. having to cross that freaking border because Canada is tough. It's tough. It's it's and it it doesn't work the other way around. American Americans can come into Canada and work right. no problem. Right. They can wrestle no problem. Yeah. make money, go back home. But our way yeah. is very strange, is different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So so then I guess. Now we can go back. You mm -hmm. said you mentioned you were still following the Bucks when they would come to Canada for a show. You would get on the show. Yeah, so they they would work for Ring of Honor uh, up in uh, in uh, Toronto mostly, and so we we'd end up on those shows and we would coerce with them. We talk and like we ended up wrestling each other again. And at the time, I don't think they knew they were going anywhere, but they were really trying to get us into Ring of Honor. Uh, and Ring of Honor was kind of holding our contracts over their heads because they were trying to re-sign the Bucks. Uh, and they, they didn't want to sign us unless the Bucks re-signed. Uh, and so we were kind of like a piece of 
just like a, a carrot negotiation dangle. negotiation exactly. tool. Yeah. So for about an uh, for about like eight nine months, that's what it was. And then by the end of it, they came back around to Toronto again. We wrestled there again, and I guess Nick and Matt had known at that point they were going to do something else. And they told us, "Hey, if you get offered anything, just let us know because we're going to offer you something soon. We can't tell you what it is, but just know." It is coming around. And we're like, okay, sure, whatever. And literally three days later, Ring of Honor offered us a, a contract for three years. And so we had messaged Nick and Matt. And they're like, okay, well, this is what's going on. This is what our offer is. You'd have to wait uh, probably five months before you do anything, though. Is that okay? And we're like, of course. I've waited, I've waited eight years. Yeah. I can't. Like, it plus, all they had to say to us is, hey, trust us yeah. yeah and we were in it was like yeah yeah you, you want always, us to trust yeah. you yeah. we'll do it we've yeah. been friends for a long time we've we know that you guys have our best interest in mind so when they said trust us that's what we did and thank thank god we did you know it's interesting because that's another thing i think that really helped our company get off the ground very quickly is 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 matt and nick had a great reputation as, as guys with all the people they knew yep. and then even even for myself the guys that i brought in quote unquote with moxley and matt hardy and brody and Jake Hager and FTR like calling these guys and saying like hey this is the real deal mm-hmm. yeah. like this is not a We're joke this is not some typical story that we always heard oh, there's so and so he's a money mark like, no, this is a real thing and it's awesome so give it a shot you know and Pac I called Pac to come for the very first uh, um, the conference right the, like the, the yeah but, but the, for the, the Chicago show oh, we wanted yeah, him to yeah. debut and he wouldn't. He wanted to debut after he got out of WWE. He wanted to debut with, uh, is it Dragon Gate? Yes. And, and he, out of like, uh, a, he used to do that in the independent. Yeah, and that was yeah. his, his. And he was like, I have to. I'm like, dude, you got to do it here. It's on national TV. And I remember thinking, what's wrong with you? But we ended up bringing him in too. Yep. But I think everyone kind of trusted each other. Of course. Which in wrestling can be a very rare thing if you're yeah. trusting somebody because there's a lot of shoving it, you know, up your ass if you could. Yeah. Right? Uh, very often you'll get. Like this is not the first time I've been told something ginormous is going to happen. Of course, be involved, oh, right? Yeah. And you never—that's why I never thought it was real until uh, we got to Vegas because yeah. it never felt like it was going to be real. Yeah, Un- even until you're there, you anything can happen. It right, it all fall apart. Yeah. Like when we had signed a contract, I still thought, eh. Yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah, someone's gonna rip it and say what contracts do you know, <laughs> or or they won't give us visas or yeah. something. Yeah, because that's the thing. We it was damn near impossible for us to, to get visa even when we had successfully went through the legal process he got a visa for about so six it was six months it's supposed to, uh, we applied for two years I got mine for six months because they sent it so late and they just said to me no yeah and when I said okay can I have my money back what money no yeah so I was like oh cool here's four grand you know yeah. like really yeah, yeah. just what are you gonna what am I gonna do yeah me versus the United States you know <laughs> what I mean like yeah. that's not a fight yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like so. Until we had the visa, the the like the the, the just everything in hand, we just thought it's not a thing. Yeah, that's not real. For me, it was the same going through because once again, you hear it so many times, especially when you're talking about not going up against Vince, but obviously you're we are up against Vince yeah. just because we're big, we're that yeah. big. And I I didn't buy it until we had the press conference here. Which you guys were not. We you were guys not hadn't for, signed no. yet. Not signed yet. Yet. Uh, we had signed, but we didn't have visas yet. Gotcha. We, we were among the first signed, but it took five Got, months. Gotcha. But there was, you know, I think there was only five or six or whatever it was. But that's when I was like, like, this is real. Like, here we go. Like, I'm actually doing this. 
and that's when I started getting the calls from Vince and I was like, what are you doing? Like, well, you told me to go, like, you mm-hmm. know, and that, and that's when it was like, this is a real fight now. This is yeah. great. Oh yeah, you know, which was awesome. So, did you guys have uh, any interactions with WWE ever? But before you answer that, I want to share some more words of encouragement and advice from our friends at Steven Singer Jewelers. Find the person you want to spend the rest of your life with is great, but then comes the pressure of taking the next step. The engagement and shopping for the ring. It's very scary. Hassle, haggling, finding a store to trust, trying to figure out the four C's, discounts, sales, coupons, styles, and all the other nonsense. And yes, those are the fantastic reasons to put off getting engaged. And that's why guys really hate Steven Singer. He takes away every excuse in the book to not buy the ring. Steven Singer makes it so easy to buy the engagement ring. Steven Singer is a Philly jeweler that's been making it too easy to buy real diamonds for over four decades. He specializes in diamond engagement rings and has a staff of real experts, real jewelers, real people that are ready to help you find the perfect ring or gift at the perfect price. No call center, no sales, no haggling, no codes or discounts, just the best possible price guaranteeing the best value every single day. Day. So check out Steven Singer at the other corner of 8th the Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Always with fast and free shipping. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Quit putting off that big moment and go to IHateStevenSinger.com to make things real. So when you guys, um, did you guys ever have any interactions with WWE at all? Any tryouts or chances? Uh, surprisingly or? enough, the only uh, tryout offer I got was once I was offered a contract here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jeez, I wonder how that works. Yeah, that's right. when the call came. Yeah. yeah. And they never gave you any uh, uh, No, I never I, I never seeked for it either, uh, especially young. Like in, our, in my first, I'd say, nine years, I just thought it was an impossible feat because I, I wasn't ginormous. Right. Uh, I'm a little mascot who's a, a video game character. Yeah. And I'm from Canada, so in my mind, I was like, "That's not even a—it's not even my goal," because I, I instilled in my brain as a kid that I'm a kid and I can't get there. Yeah. Mm. And funny um, enough, for me, like in the early when I started was 2004 or five, what I was watching the most was TNA, because mm. that was like the golden years of the X Division with guys like AJ and Christopher Daniels. And I look at them, and I was like, "Oh, those guys are—they're my size," mm-hmm. you know, like they're. I could do this. That's, this. that's the place for me. So WWE was never even an option for me either. I didn't really think about it. So, How about like kind of uh, the, the growing up kind of like in the Quebec? The, I know f- there's a lot of French. There's a company I used to watch called International Championship yep. Wrestling. Yep. Yeah, yeah, with uh, Gilles the Fish Poisson and yeah. uh, Richard, Richard the Boss Charlon and all these types of guys. Were there, was there guys that you uh, trained with or worked with in, in, in that area, French Canada? that um, maybe we don't know a lot about? Oh yeah, there's definitely, there are so many French Canadian wrestlers that you'll never hear about because they, first of all, most of them don't speak English, which is, is yeah. It, in a, the you wrestling world, you have to, yeah. Yeah. you have to. It's international too, like it just, it's just how wrestling is taught and told mm-hmm. and, and discussed with each other. Uh, but like, we, we uh, our organization was like, uh, ran by Gino Brito, who oh, was like yeah. an international guy. Uh, the Duprés were around as well, like his son, who obviously went to WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, we had a ton of Canadian Quebec legends like Guy Soriol. No one knows who that guy is. Yeah. Uh, Wild Dangerous Dan. No one knows no one who knows. that guy is. But like, they were 
to to us at the time, we thought they were legends because they were the top French. They had been there stars. forever. They were running to promote. Well, and also Fr- French Canada, like Montreal and Quebec, it is kind of its own little world for yes. entertainment. Yeah. The yeah. same with there's a lot of big singing stars that you don't know of, but they're huge in that area. Exactly. Right? Only in this one province, too. Yeah, only in the province. Yeah, yeah it's not like it goes to anywhere like mm-hmm. you know Toronto or Ontario or whatever else, right? So what about Kevin and, and, and Sam? You mentioned Kevin Owens and, and mm-hmm. Sami Zayn. And I'm, I'm assuming you guys probably all kind of came up together in one way, shape, or form. Yeah, somewhat. Uh, they, they're, they, I think they started about a year and a half before I did. But almost as soon as I started, uh, I had befriended uh, Sami Zayn pretty fast. Because I, I would go to all the independent... As soon as I started training, I started jo- jumping to every independent show and started helping and, uh, and started making relationships and just meeting people. And he was at all the shows too, because he, we had figured out if you wrestle everywhere, at some point someone will, will, will go to more. Yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Kevin had at the time where I started had just left Rujo School, or was just branching out from Rujo School because at the time Rujo wouldn't let anyone wrestle for anyone other than him. Of course. But Kevin was like that one exception. So <laughs> him and PCO were doing the rounds of all the Quebec independents, and uh, I had a mat. I think my fourth match was against Kevin, and like almost instantly. Uh, Which was a CPW one, right? Yeah, that's the the very first wrestling experience of my life. I walk in the CPW show, and it's uh, it's Player Uno versus Kevin Owens. It's the first time I ever watched wrestling in my whole life. And in that match, like I, the things they did, and I saw it, I was like, oh my god, I want to do this. Yeah. So hold on, this is the first match you'd ever seen, or you never watched? I had never seen wrestling wrestling live. My actually, funny enough. The very first like wrestling I even saw, I didn't know wrestling existed until I was like 15 years old. Okay. And it was I flipped the channel and it was you versus Scott Steiner. Oh wow! That, Scott Steiner <laughs> was flexing on the second rope before WrestleMania 19. It was the Raw Rumble leading to, to WrestleMania wow. 19, and he's flexing. And all I could think is, what is this? <laughs> how how is this human alive? Like how is he so damn big? And then you guys wrestle and you did the lion soul, you did a dive, and I was like. These guys are like real life superhero. What the hell? And then I, I looked up like what it was. And I was oh, it's pro wrestling. And then I learned about CPW. And then I went a few weeks later and boom, I saw Kevin Owens versus Player Uno. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm in. That's, that's it. That's really cool. And here you are now. <laughs> yep. And we're all friends. Yeah. <laughs> and like uh, us and Kevin, just uh, from there, we like, we just did all the roads together because there's not that many Canadians that are willing to do the. 10 12 hour drives yeah. to go to cities and make $20. Yeah. But, and and Kevin was really blowing up and and so was Sammy and so of course like we jump into every car we could. Yeah, and honestly they, if it wasn't for them I don't think anyone would know who we are mm. because, yeah, because in a way like, when they got big they kind of took us under their wings. Mm. Yeah. They 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 wanted to have, they wanted to travel with people who uh well would be willing to drive with them and do all these distance. And also, when the promotion would say, "Hey, we can you bring people?" They needed to bring people that could actually mm-hmm. wrestle, yeah. and we were these guys. Mm. So, now, there's something too to, to having guys that came from your area. Mm-hmm. That's why Kenny and I bonded right off the bat because coming from Winnipeg, you know, Don Callis too. Yeah. It's it's as much of a northern outpost as being from you know Quebec. It's, yeah. it's, yes. it's nothing really happens out there, so it's kind of cool that like, wow, there's some other guys from from my hometown that are mm-hmm. in the business, you know? There's like a form of like loyalty that yeah. I feel to everyone that I've met in my early days of wrestling in my little city. Like, I, I will always go back to bat to them and they'll always be friends to me just mostly because I feel like there's a pride of my own city and my own mm-hmm. wrestling organization. We really like, we've really like built our own area in the Ottawa scene and like have really led that scene 
for the last like 15 years and we're very protective of like everyone there the same way that like Kevin and uh, Sammy are, are the same for the Montreal mm-hmm. scene Montreal guys yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, let's talk about the pandemic and how you guys had to stay in Canada for most of the early lockdown days how much uncertainty there was we'll get into what that was like uh, for you but first of all thanks Diamond Dallas Page and his DDPY program DDPY has done wonders for me and so many others it can do the same for you as well and Dallas is so sure about that that he's giving everybody free access to the DDPY app for seven days. And then he's one-upping that with 20% off a DDPY subscription when you sign up at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. It's a great offer. And like I've said many times before, I do DDP everywhere and anywhere I can. Backstage at AEW, backstage at Fozzie Gigs, hotel rooms, my own living room, even on the balcony here in Hawaii, I can do it here as well. It's good for any age any skill level it's a killer workout you can do at your own pace and you don't even have to be an athlete to do ddpy it's so easy to get started just download the ddpy app and get going you can get it for ios or android i've got it on my iphone uh, then go to ddpyoga.com jericho to sign up for seven days of free access to the ddpy app and to take advantage of 20 percent off the ddpy app as well so you get seven days for free and then 20 percent off the ddpy subscription right now at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho and watch the inspiring story about how Dallas created the DDPY program in the new documentary Relentless available now on Amazon Prime let Dallas and DDPY change your life like he has for thousands and thousands of people including me get on the path to healthy living and stay there start today at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho that's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho get in the best mental and physical shape of your life and do it now just go to ddpyoga.com slash jericho one more time that's ddpyoga.com slash jericho you mentioned before so we were talking about being in aw and all these great plans that we had and it's funny because we're recording this on march 9th and march 11th was our last show official yes, in Salt Lake it's City. almost a year yeah. almost a year which is insane to Crazy. think about that was that the last time? It was the 18th, or were you guys? Did you, did you guys were you able to come back again after that, or when did you no, gotta, uh, have to go home for good? We weren't even sure we could make it home from Salt Lake City. Yeah, yeah. really. Uh, Tony yeah. even told us, like, "Hey, if you guys can't go, just let me know. I'll just yeah. make arrangement, and you'll just live here." Yeah. And it was like, "Oh, Jesus, <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, um, oh my God." <laughs> we actually we made it out of Salt Lake City and made it to Jacksonville the next week, and we were able to do uh, uh, the Exalted Ones debut. It was supposed to be the Rochester date, right? Uh, yeah. Which became the Jacksonville date, yeah. and then that's the show. When we came back home, they barred uh, they barred the borders for the next like four months. Yeah. So how was that? We talked about this briefly before, but how was that for you guys? Like you mentioned, you're finally the Exalted One debuts, and this is it, and then you... It was severely depressing, honestly, because yeah. we were stuck at home. Uh, we had no real contact with people at work, like because uh, we we couldn't really be much of a factor on television because there was we were question marks. Mm-hmm. For all we thought for sure they were going to let us go, to be honest, wow. because we again, were again for the second time. Again. Second yeah. time, yeah, it's been like a roller coaster for us, at least emotionally, but. Um, we thought for sure they're gonna let us go because I thought monetarily, why would you keep guys that can't be here? Right, right. And also, how bad is this pandemic, and how long is this gonna take? No one knows. There's only so long you can drag out something without us being there. Right. And so every every week that would pass by that we weren't involved with television and we weren't involved with our own Dark Order group, 
we thought, well, this is this is the week we're getting the call. Mm-hmm. This is the week we're getting the call. Yeah. And thank thank God it didn't happen because like. Hey man, we all have to give Tony credit. I mean, he kept everybody. Uh, yeah. It's unreal. Uh, the know, fact that um, he he's single handedly not only like us AEW, but a ton of independent wrestlers who can't make money. He is paying them to to. That's why we have you know fifteen dark matches. That's after it. The show. He wants yeah. to support the scenes, and that that's we've talked about this on the show before, where a lot of people like ah, oh, it's such a long show. He's doing that specifically to not just give those guys a, a job, but mm-hmm. also for the guys on our roster that need matches and need that's development. It, yeah. But but he, like you said, he single handedly kept a lot of people's careers going. Yeah, Serpentico, he was ready to quit. Same, and, yeah. you know. And well, we were. I was about to quit before I got signed to here too. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was. I was on my way out. I figured, like, okay, it's been 15 years. Right. I can't see anything coming up. And at the time, I thought, well, maybe I'll just just phase out, move into something else, try to find a different role. And then, of course, this just this worked out. But like every. Almost every person on Dark that was solely, I, I, like, I know uh, uh, Pineapple Pete. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, like Sugar he, D, yeah. Sugar D, like, he was solely an independent wrestler. And so this, yeah. that's the only place he could go was Dark, and that's the only place he was making money. Yeah. So that, that paid his bills. That that kept him alive through this year. Yeah, and, yeah. And if it wasn't for Tony, a lot of people would be So when you guys spots. were at home, and like I said, you're turning on the TV to watch to watch Dynamite, and, and because now Brody's in, and mm-hmm. so there's a lot revolving around him. And, and I, I know the answer. You, you probably felt like you know, like odd men out. Yeah, at this we felt like. Uh, well, first we thought we would be replaced when they brought in ten and five, mm. because I was like, first I was like, oh, another bald guy with a beard, huh? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm out. I guess I'm out. That's for sure, you know. <laughs> but like every time we would turn on the TV, we would think like, oh. So that's what we're doing this week, huh? Interesting, because I have no idea what's going no on. Keeping you- no, no, exactly. Like we, I'd keep up with Brody a whole lot, uh, but even Brody, at that point, it, it wasn't even. And I'm, I will never be mad about this. It was so hectic for everyone. Right. They they were writing shows with such a small group. Yeah. Uh, those Atlanta shows were put on like such pressure. Twenty nine percent of the roster. Exactly. Tony, we'll so you. like. Yeah. Like things would happen on television, and of course I'd be like, "What is this? It's, I don't know what the vision is for us anymore. I don't know what we're doing." But at the same time, I couldn't be angry because I knew everyone was in the same situation as us. We were all going through this yeah. this weird situation where where the pandemic was affecting not just like our livelihood, but every single person's mm-hmm. livelihood. The television show was completely different than it used to be. Yeah, it must have really been been hard for you guys because just the pandemic in general was hard for the oh, world. Yeah. Yeah. But at least, like in my situation, at least I knew that I had a job, and I knew that I had something to do every week. Yeah. Nobody else did. Once we got through those Atlanta shows, but even then, we were doing the bubbly bunch, and still at least tr- trying to be creative in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. You guys had to deal with the pandemic and deal with the lockdown in Canada, which was a lot worse than it was. Yeah, yeah we weren't Florida. allowed to leave our homes, yeah. and yeah. worrying about your your jobs. Yeah, yeah. we've I mean, been like for us, we've been quarantined for a whole year now. Every single why is that? time. We come back to Canada. We have to quarantine. We have mandatory qu- uh, quarantine yeah, when we get because home. we've been traveling internationally. Oh, so we wow. have not yeah. left our house for a year. Other than for work, we I I have been we to do. a store. I we been. wrestle. We go home and like our mothers or our parents or friends are doing our groceries. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing we can. That's do. insane because. We tape every two weeks, yeah. And when you go home, you have to quarantine for two weeks just in time to come back to, to work. Come back. To, yep. That's crazy. That's so, like, we haven't had a week to our like. I haven't seen my mom in a year. 
I haven't seen any of my family a year. I had to miss my grandmother's funeral this year. Like that's terrible. Just man. because yeah. I can't, I can't leave my house. It's so. And are they checking on you? They do. Yeah, they knock yeah. at your door. They call you. You have to fill up an application uh, on your app every day. Yeah. And and I and I completely understand oh, yeah, it. Yeah. But in another sense, it's like I just. I just can't wait to not be in my home anymore. I can't yeah. can't even look at the walls of my home anymore. When people are saying, "Oh, it's so hard," you know, the coordinator, I'm like, "But you have a job. You still go to the gym. You like, right. okay, you're limited. Yes, I understand. But the only human being I've seen in Canada is my girlfriend because she's a nurse, and we are allowed to see each other because she's vaccinated, no whole shebang, and like her job, is, her job is safe and everything. But she's the only Canadian human being I've seen. Like. Mm -hmm. if, if outside it, of me yeah <laughs> otherwise yeah like, like otherwise like I, I i live alone so i have my dog i talk with my dog so much now like it's <laughs> insane dog's talking back he's talking back like we we can play games together now like it's this is the and wow. people are saying oh it's so hard like dude you don't know what hard is right now right <laughs> there are definitely people that have it worse than us but like that's tough. But, tough. And, and also, too, to when you come to Florida, it's a whole different vibe here. Entirely. Oh, yeah. it, it I, often frustrating. Yeah. I often forget there's there's even a pandemic happening here because it's, yeah. so, it's so vast. Like, we have a curfew at home. That's what I yeah, My friend in Montreal said there's still an 8 p.m. Yeah. You guys have a curfew? That's... It's 5 a.m. to uh, well now it's 9:30 but yeah yeah, no, yeah now yeah. it's there's 5 a, there's 5 a curfew to 9:30 uh, the I think Jeez. restaurants and and uh, and malls and stuff only just started opening like this week not that it matters to us I mean we, yeah, we go, still can access you them you still have to have your two yeah. week quarantine no yes, matter what regardless yeah. yeah until we get vaccinated which I I hope is soon yeah, yeah it's yeah, pretty yeah. intense because uh, the lady the the security that knock on my door that works for the government she told me she said hey uh, do you have a, a backyard I said yes is there a fence all the way around I said yes so you are allowed to go in there I was yeah. like what I said, yes yeah. your front driveway does not have a fence to stop people from coming to see you you are not allowed there yeah he's not allowed to walk so his I dog I can't reach my car you know what I mean it's only my it's well, only in my it's, backyard. It's good though because that fence will keep coronavirus. It will. Yes. Oh yes. That, that's it. As long <laughs> as it's now. six feet high, it, does, yes. it doesn't travel higher. You're that's fine. That's it. I'm that's good so, now. It, I mean, we could talk about this for hours. It drives me crazy <laughs> the different rules and all this sort of thing. But so, when were you guys finally able to come back to to to, to Jacksonville? Uh, it was uh, late June of uh, late June or early July of uh, 2019. Or yeah. 2020, 2020, yeah. And so then, what was the reason? Because Canada allowed you. Yeah, so they started opening it up that uh, travelers who were uh, work essential. So we're considered work essential because our job is only here and we can't do it anywhere else. It's our only source of income. It's oh. everything. Only source of income. So we have to come here. And also, with television, I believe uh, television, sports, and entertainment falls under essential mm -hmm. services. And so we were, we were lucky enough that we were able to do that. But the honest truth is that, like, it's not as easy as it used to be because there's no flights anymore. Mm -hmm. So we actually have to drive out of town. We can't fly out of Ottawa anymore. There's only international <sighs> flights out of Montreal. Yeah. And, and there's, like there's no per day. There's no directs. Wow. You miss it, uh, you're done. <laughs> at first, we were doing the uh, three connections, uh, and we were doing like we do like a flight to uh, uh, I think it was Detroit. Flight to Detroit, then a flight to like Charleston. Then like a four-hour layover to fly to then. So our days were like 20-hour travel days. But in the same time, it's the only time we were away from our home. So yeah, it was, it was, it was freeing almost in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, is it better now? Yeah, yes. it, it's yeah, a little okay, better okay, now, okay. yeah. Yeah, now right now we have uh, – so we still drive two hours to Montreal. 
but then we have a flight to usually it's Atlanta and then Atlanta to Jacksonville. Yeah. So our days are down to like seven, eight hours. Okay. Yeah, that's a little better. Instead of the like night. Way better. Yeah. And when you came back, were you slotted right back in with yeah. the Dark Order? Almost instantly. Like we came right back with Brody uh, and instantly we were thrown into stuff with the Elite. And it was just like back to business, which was yeah. great because we didn't know if that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. I thought we might just come back and they would have no plans for but us. But we, even though we weren't sure about that, we still didn't take any chances. That's when we kind of started doing the PTEs because we wanted to get as busy as possible. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be like, hey, we're here. Yeah. Look at us. We want to sh- <laughs> showcase our personalities. And also, we were kind of worried for uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver because we were, we were signed. They were never signed. And so they, they were just extra bodies. And so we thought if we do BTE, we can show all a bit, a little bit of personality. And maybe that'll it help worked. Them. It yep. worked because look at where they're at now, and look at where we're at now. And honestly, it's uh, it, it was like a pivotal turn in in our careers for sure. Now, when we spoke last, it was a week or two after Brody passed away, mm-hmm. and it's been a few months now. And it seems like the Dark Order, as we I think we predicted this, is mm-hmm. baby faces, yeah. especially when you got negative one out yes. there, and he's you know. Gosh, last week uh, Tay Conti was wrestling, and he's out there trying to do nip ups on the stage. I'm like, like, someone's gonna have to have a talk with this kid sooner or later. (laughs) But we we try. But he is uh, wow. He's he's a lot. So do you now that everybody's a baby face? Is that the direction to go in? Is there time to maybe do a split at some point? I mean, I'm not sure what our, our our full direction will be. I think like I'd love to keep this unit together, almost like in tribute mm-hmm. I, my, my ultimate goal from this is that there's a Dark Order in 10 years and that Lil Brody can wrestle yeah. and, and just yeah. take the throne and just beat us down and, and like or if not that we can at least project him into what, what will be his role then Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd love to keep the Dark Order strong for the next decade does that mean we're splintering groups or anything I don't know right now I love every like Alex and John, we've been friends with for a while beforehand. We didn't know five and ten. We didn't really know Anna, and but now we're we're such a close group. We're such great friends uh, that like I want I want to I want to grow our careers all together. You know, yeah. like mm-hmm. I, I I'm much like probably like you and Doctor Luther. Like mm-hmm. like I I want to see those people succeed, and I, and I want to be there with them, and I want to do it right. with them right, as right. well. Yeah. And so. I'm hoping we stay a group forever, and I think if, if that means we're good guys, if that means we're bad guys, where, whatever works, works for us. That's cool, because I, I bet, like, I know even with the thing that we've been doing with the Inner Circle, I think we discussed this before, like, we all went to Vegas, and it was like, I don't really know Wardlow at all, and, you know, Sammy's half my age, but you get close with everybody where it's like, this is a great group of guys yeah, to, yeah. to continue to work with, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's no rush to have to switch it or move it or change it, you know. And it's I mean? hard to build a trust with other people too. Yeah. Like once yeah. once you got that trust, especially we're we're like an eight person unit, which is tough to find eight people that don't end up button heads. Right. 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 Uh, and so it's uh, it's been very nice. Was it uh, not not hard for you guys because you've done both in your pros, but but Dark Order had so much heat as heels, mm-hmm. and then of course. Brody passes and then by proxy your baby faces was it a pretty easy switch or I mean I mean for us yeah it was it was organic so it just it just became natural right away at the Brody show right there like we felt at home it kind of it was natural for us so it, it there was no pressure for us to just turn baby face it was just it, it had to happen the, mm-hmm. the decade that we were baby faces as tagged helped a ton but also like 
our BTE segments kind of de facto was making us mm-hmm. become ba- baby yeah. faces because we were just becoming too loony and comedic so to much the personality that, exactly yeah. and it's hard to be a, a, a bad guy that's extremely hated if you're on top of that relatable and funny you know yeah so um it was very organic to us it wasn't too hard of a switch and i'm glad that it wasn't a hard switch for the people the viewers as well because mm-hmm. we literally like early days of tv we murdered a man in the woods like that's that's that was one of our segments you know so like and now now we're that's like right yeah, forgot that's, about yeah. that like he's like a fat guy or something exactly. right yeah yeah like Snoop kicked him into a pit and then with a ton of people mauled him and probably we've never seen him again exactly so like i'm glad that even though if you if you told me we were baby faces uh and you told me uh, we were gonna be baby faces today a a year ago i'd be like there's no way mm. there's no way. with what we've done there's no way but uh organically we've gone there and uh, i'm glad everyone's just along for the ride yep. last few things what are some of your favorite moments from the bte like some of the more ridiculous things anything with brody was just awesome obviously just because we had such a hard time controlling each other like we are getting more and more ridiculous and more insane because every time someone steps it up, then the next day someone goes even further and further. And with Brody, like we would do our shtick and the sh- it was all pretty much the same recipe. We would do our shtick, Brody would walk in, yell at us, scream, and, and then he would leave. But before that, he was looking at us, just laughing and laughing while we're trying to be idiots and whatnot. So every time he would come in and yell at us, it was just like, oh my God, we have to not laugh. We have to. So every single moment with him was just genuinely awesome. And I think for me, with some of my favorite bits is just the crazy bumps I take for Anna, I guess. I love doing those things because it's kind of how we brought her like with more personality yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it was nice. But no, everything in BT, we just always have so much fun. All the stuff with Brody was fantastic. I, I loved like our, our uh, paper throwing bit where he'd like welt me in the face with it and I'd do like a Willem scream. And like, the, the thing that was so great about it is like we were great friends, but like as a character, he doesn't seem like the type that would fit in a BTE bit, right. right? Because he's supposed to be so angry and stuff. So the fact that like he's the actual only successful one of this whole group and we're all fairly big losers. And so he had <laughs> like the way he had to talk down to us and all that, it organically it just made it all work. And like I miss I miss Brody immensely and especially during those times because like he had also told us this, this the day he won the TNT championship. We were doing the, we did like a bit where we ordered chilies and like we were having the time of our life, but literally like we were sitting down eating chilies after filming our bit and he was like, I think this is the night, this is the most fun wrestling day I've ever had. Mm. And like all of us were, so, and that's also the same weekend or the same week that uh, Alex and John had gone contracts and we were like on cloud nine and, yeah. and we were just having so much fun. Last question for you guys. You guys have had a lot of great matches over the years. Is there one of them that stands out as your as your favorite match that you've had? Of all wrestling or E-Dub? Just either, in general? Either or whatever. Uh, I think one that uh, launched us to the most success in the independent was that uh, ladder warfare, whatever we had at PWG. At Thremen- a Tremendous. Three? Tremendous, yeah. yeah. So it was uh, ourself against the Young Bucks against Future Shock, which is uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. Mm. And we had that insane ladder match, uh, which I think was match of the year or something. It was match of the year, at least for California. I don't know where. Something like that. Wow, that's gay. So I think that's one one of the, uh, in terms of memory, one of the best one. And as a single, I think I had a match. My my very first name that I wrestled was uh, Kota Ibushi when I was Mm. 
18 years old. Wow. And I loved it. Just loved it. He was so good. At an indie show? Yeah, in Chikara. Oh, wow. It was the final of a uh, high flower tournament. And I love the match. And now today, he's been my dream rematch, I suppose, mm-hmm. for since then. Because now today, he's... He's the champion, He's right? the champion. He's, yeah, yeah. he's likely to be one of the best in the world. It has been for a long time. And I want to wrestle him because I want to prove I'm better than him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want to get in the ring with that guy. <laughs> Hopefully, we can, yeah. How about you? Uh, mine is also around the same time. Like, uh, just before this three-way ladder match that everyone uh, loves... Uh, we had a we had a, a no DQ tax with the the Young Bucks, which was the night we actually won the championships, uh, and Kevin was uh, on commentary, so it made it like extra special. And so uh, it's from Death to All But Metal uh, in 2011 <laughs> for PWG, and just that's the match I remember when we were done. I was like, we're we're good at this. Like that's yeah. the one where I realized it clicked. Like, yeah, yeah. There, it actually took until. I thought I, I couldn't do it anymore for us to actually figure out that we were good at it. And like, that was the very night where I was like, we could make something out of this. And then, of course, like three months later, yeah. we were flagged. But, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's the one that deep down I think is probably my personal favorite match. You guys have had a lot of ups and downs, man, but it's great to have you here. And we got to get ready for our next uh, uh, fighting Oglethorpe street oh, hockey. Yes. We got to win yep. next time. Oh, oh, I'm sure. a, I'm we got robbed. Train. We got oh, L- oh, Lenny scored hard. that goal under the crossbar. Mike Posey's too stupid to know the rules of hockey. <laughs> I'm going to spend the next uh, three months training for this next hockey loop we'll for ready, sure. Man. Oh, yeah. We'll win every Watch single game. Stupid pylons. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you.